Hello and welcome to the Fremont Podcast with Seth and Nova Ready. This is Stephen Robles and we're on episode 26. We're past that, that quarter century mark. Man, but, uh, it's yeah, great time. It's been a good run. And <laughs> before we get started, I do want to mention Impact 360 one more time. Again, they have some great online classes on truth, on worldview, on Gen Z. And we would encourage you to go impact360.org. And last time I actually said promo code FREEMIND for $20 off, but that was wrong, brother. Well, what, what, it's twenty five. Twenty five. Twenty five dollars. Yeah, even twenty five. So Just go to impact three sixty dot org. Yes, okay. and use the promo code FREEMIND for twenty five dollars off some of those online courses. And that Gen Z online course is free, so you can take that for free and then check out their other courses. And let us know too if you do that, because we want to we want to hear from you and even discuss yeah. some of the stuff that you're learning through there. Yeah, that'd be great. And so some other news. Uh, if you didn't know, FreeMind has a YouTube channel. And we would love to have you subscribe. We're going to post every episode as kind of a video with our work there. Some people like to watch or listen to podcasts, just kind of letting YouTube play in the background. So you could do that. Yeah. And uh, you can share find it on cool. Facebook. Yeah, share it. And you can find the link on the website. So go to freemind.fm and you can see the YouTube link, Twitter, Instagram. And listen quick well. before they censor us. <laughs> But we're going to have to cover that sometime. We might have that three-week window before we, get the, oh, uh, before we get the boot. That's a real deal. So, But definitely subscribe to the YouTube channel. We'll be posting some other video content on there soon as well, not just the episodes. So subscribe and check that out. And uh, I want to give another shout-out. You know, We've ha- had some great reviews You know, for not even being a year into this. Thank you for everyone who's given us reviews, five-star reviews. Mm-hmm. But I have a, a friend, Steve Clark. He's out there in the Marshall Islands. If you don't know where that is, got to pull out that Maps app. Look up Marshall Islands. It looks like it's in the middle of nowhere, Pacific Ocean, because it is. What? It, who? Like, like who owns it? What? You know what? I don't even know. Do I they just have know, a king, a queen. <laughs> I don't know, I've man. Brother Steve, you got Islands. an emperor. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think their internet's carried by carrier pigeon. I don't know how they get stuff out That's there, amazing. but um, yeah, brother Steve Clark. He's a he's a good friend. He's a missionary out there. Wow. And cool. uh, yeah, you got to take like three planes and a puddle jumper to get to his island. But uh, he left Man. us five star reviews. So thank you, uh, Steve, for listening and uh, spending that precious bandwidth down right. in Fremont. That's, <laughs> that's uh, yeah, appreciate it. So thanks, Steve. And, and if you haven't given us a review, it really helps people discover yeah. the Fremont podcast. You know, the, the Christian genre in Apple Podcasts is really dominated by like church sermon messages and stuff. And if you didn't know, like this is actually kind of unique among the Christian podcast world. You know, if you look on the top charts or whatever. So if you give us five star reviews and leave a comment with that review, it really helps people discover the content. Uh, people who need to hear it can uh, find it easier. So yeah, please a five star review on Apple Podcasts. We really help. Yeah, man. I wanted to quickly uh, thank you guys for comment on the the intro music we had a lot of good right. feedback uh one from uh i'll just share first names here but one from veronica she said uh i do like the intro music but i think uh prefer i prefer switching it up to the theme of the podcast um and, and then she said maybe as you guys grow and do more than one podcast a week well and she put in parentheses that's what i'm hoping for anyway casting vision come on right? somebody she said having the same intro would be nice but for now i like the connection to what you're talking about and i'm okay. you know dot dot from on from there and then blake said uh i like that the intro song is consistently used for the most part but i think it's fun to have a song that goes with the theme of the episode mm. every now and then okay. okay and then another person uh kind of said the same thing and then uh our our fellow uh thomas that often interacts with us <laughs> online i think he he, he said he wanted to split up by season <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he said i want a oh, song for great. season one a song for season two oh, it's like, that's right. a cool idea too so basically um <laughs> you know we got great feedback but it was unhelpful 
It was that 50-50 split, bro. Because it was all over the board, man. Like, There's no clear no clear path here. So I guess we're just going to stick with what we've been doing, right? Cast lots. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'll, we'll, I, I do think the most consistent feedback, though, was like they like the kind of a go to song. Sure. With an, like if we feel like, man, this is this has a good theme song right. then do it. Right. But, you know, that's kind of it's not clean. But, I, you know, I think that's the best. Yeah, of, yeah, that's yeah. our eclectic. Uh, you never know what you're going to get. Never know what you're going to get. That's we, keep, it. we keep it exciting. You know, that's we, right. We don't serve that oatmeal every day. Mm. Come on, <laughs> Please, sir. Can I have some more? <laughs> <laughs> Please, sir. Um, so anyway, so today, man, uh, we are going to dive into a bit of a tough subject. Right. Um, I was, I, I actually had been reaching out to a few people cause I was hoping to pass this off on others and interview someone else, make them take, right. <laughs> take the tough stance right. and we could just kind of ask the questions and, uh, but, uh, we, we weren't able to get the, the interviews in time. I think we're going to be having some of them on in the next couple months, which I'm really excited about some people that can really speak into the topic of, um, you know, the LGBTQ just issue and, and how to, how we can do a better job as a church and right. loving people, but still, you know, remaining biblical. And so be on the lookout for that. I think we're going to have a few people that are, that you're going to really enjoy hearing from, but they weren't able to uh, do it yet. And so I thought we needed to go, go ahead and address this issue from a certain perspective, because I saw on, on Facebook, there was this article mm-hmm. going around and, and it was from CBS and um, it was called Christian Surprise uh, Pride Parade Marchers with Signs Apologizing for Anti-LGBTQ Views. Mm. Okay. So right. I, saw the, I saw the title and I thought, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of words in there, you know, you, you, right, and right. you kind of, you can sense where it's coming from because typically these days it's all about word choices. So if they want to present your position in an unflattering way more so than arguing against it they just use certain words remember discrimination we've talked about that in the past right. and that word is so broad that now you don't know if they mean actual discrimination or just that you don't agree with certain things so you you don't right. know by just looking at the word anymore because it's used that way or right. anti um the pro-life movement now they, they've switched to calling that anti-abortion or anti-women's rights and stuff like right. that so again you kind of have to decode these words. So obviously the one in this title that you look at is they're apologizing for anti LGBTQ views. What does that mean? Right. Does right. that mean they're apologizing for being jerks and being unloving in the real way? Or does that mean they're apologizing because for their stance? Yeah. For this, for the historic Christian and most of the world's historic stance, right? That there is a design to sexuality that is between one man, one woman in marriage. Is that what they're apologizing for? So that's right. the question it raised. Could you know basically anticipate? I, I was surmising. Yeah, that's it's it's going to be the latter. Like they're going to be right. probably apologizing. Sure, views for the church taking a biblical stance on this issue, and it turned out that's what it was. We're going to talk through that a little bit. Um, but the, but the thing that alerted me and raised a flag for me was I saw Christians posting it affirmatively and right. and saying, man, this, this really touched my heart. You know, just emojis like tears and mm-hmm. this is love and all that kind of stuff. So that's why I thought, you know, we need to probably talk through this issue a little bit and just clarify mm-hmm. 
how do we how do we address this issue because it's a month now it's like you know you have right. black history month you have now you have pride month and that right. that's part of the the move you know to make gay as the new black you know that there's a very intentional movement behind that a very well thought out game plan to co-op civil rights and use that whole language use the tools laid out in that to promote this really I w- we would call it anti-biblical view of human sexuality and i think this year is significant because uh, even donald trump on may 31st tweeted about pride month specifically i think it might have kind of even been a surprise to supporters but uh, he says in his tweet you know as we celebrate lgbt pride month and recognize the contributions lgbt people have made right he was making a very clear stance that this is a celebratory month exactly for the movement and so so that's the question as christians should we celebrate this month and if we're celebrating what does that mean so this in this article i'm just going to try to uh read through a couple highlights of it here and just to be clear this is this is actually an article from 2018 but i believe this is something that is still happening right today right. like Christians apologizing with signs and all this kind of stuff. So for sure, it's not old news for sure. But this specific article that we'll link is from twenty. Yeah, and you know, like many things, it gets recycled and right uh, on social media and everything. But it it brings up a good point. Um, My heart really felt light upon seeing them. Salvador told CBS News. I guess uh, Salvador is one of the uh, person who identifies as LGBTQ who came across this church with the signs. So marching in the parade. Right. So he said, my my heart felt light upon seeing them. I stopped when I saw them and I read all their messages and immediately felt goosebumps all over my body. Then my tears started to build up. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, we're not robots. We, you know, that can make you feel a certain way. It's like, sure. man, okay, that's so loving. And then somebody else posted, oh, this was Salvador's post, uh, Jamila Salvador. Imagine living in a society with nothing but love and respect for each other. Teary emoji. Tear, yeah. Tear, yeah. Tear emoji. And then hashtag rise up together. So this is the, this is the mantra of our culture. There, here are some of the signs that they're holding up. It says, I used to be a Bible banging homophobe. Sorry. Jesus didn't turn people away. Neither do we. Um, one says, I'm sorry. We are here to apologize for the ways we as Christians have harmed the LGBT community. The main banners, and then they list this in the the article, it says, Christians harm the LGBT community, uh, including statements such as, I've rejected and hurt your family in the name of family values. The other individual sign says, God loves you, so do we, and then the ones I read before. So Salvador again said, people absolutely love the group's display, explaining that many marching in the parade had intense reactions to the message. Uh, a teenager told someone they started bursting into tears upon seeing the signs. Some hugged and talked to these Christians. Some took photos like what I did, and others just stood there in awe. Mm. First of all, this is a little maxim. <laughs> if um, anything you see from the mainstream media these days that's promoted as being good Christians, you can pretty much uh, conclude that it's probably not going to be biblical. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's um, true. <laughs> you know anything? The okay. the the mainstream media has has gone so far in a the direction of really just anti-biblical stances on pretty much any social uh, issue you can think of. So you know yeah. that's an indicator. Not not to say hard and fast, like don't even read the article. But I'm sure. just saying you can pretty much count on at this point if right. CBS is praising you 
you probably aren't doing something well. <laughs> well, and it, that's it, just a side note. It starts looking more like progressive Christianity, and basically, when as long as Christians only spout love, right, then they define will be in a certain way. Yep. But as soon as anything comes into play where they say this is not right, then it's yeah, exactly. Negative. Always negative. Yeah. So, in other words. If you are, if you basically subscribe to the central tenets of progressive Christianity, you will be praised by our culture. You'll be praised by the media. You'll Hollywood will love you, and and that's not to malign progressive Christianity, but I'm just saying that this is the truth of where we are. Right. The pastor of the church is quoted here in the article. He's. I used to believe that God condemns homosexuals, but when I studied the scriptures, especially the ones that we call quote-unquote clobber scriptures that are being cherry-picked from the Bible to condemn LGBT people, I realized that there's a lot to discover, including the truth that God is not against anyone. God does not discriminate against people based on gender. A lot of, a lot of things in here, and, and I think it's good to tease, tease apart what's going on because the biblical position clearly is that there is there is a design of God for sexuality, but it's also that we are all fallen. We are all right. you know sinners in need of God's grace. We understand that we don't want to beat up on any person because of their sin or their temptation or their struggle. We also understand historically that, at least recently in the church, we probably haven't done a great job many times. Some churches have. Some churches have done right. this really well. Um, and we'll hear examples of that as we interview those couple guests down the road. But there, there is a, there has been a tendency, I think, to to highlight particular sins and say, man, if you struggle with these things, you're, you know, you're some kind of freak or weirdo. We don't even right. want you in our presence. Um, you are, you know, damaged beyond repair. We don't want to hear about that stuff. And right. I can't imagine the pain of, you know, say like thirty, forty years ago. Sure. And a, a rural church where you are struggling with same-sex attraction, you don't have anybody you can talk to about it because they're not going to understand. They're going to make you feel isolated. And even, you know, they're going to look at you like you're absolutely disgusting and less than human, all these kinds of things. Yeah. And so there, there is that reality that we need to acknowledge that, man, we, in many, many, many cases, we haven't done good. Mm. And we have been at times bigoted and, and homophobic in the real right. sense of the word, like really like fearing, scared, ooh, don't get away right. from me. You struggle with that. Sure. And, right. and and it's that's been unfortunate because that has made many people feel unloved and it has set up stumbling blocks for them between them and the cross, yeah. between them and the love of God. Sure. And I think that part, if that's all you were saying in this parade, <laughs> right, we might be inclined to agree yeah yeah yeah. no we would we would say you know hey we we want to be the first to say like if we've done that and that's that's wrong it's not godly yeah and i think the last lines there that the pastor says again on the face of it as christians i think we would agree with like god does not discriminate against people on gen based on gender right if we read the bible then yes like god sold the world the world he gave his son so anyone who believes so right salvation is not discriminant. Right. Anyone can come to Jesus. In the same way, the line before that, saying that truth, that God is not against anyone. Right. There's, it's so 
fraught to say that. You know, I think people read that and interpret it as God is not against anything, right. which is false. Right. God is against sin. So to say God is not against anyone, again, as a Christian, you want to say like, yes, we agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I think inherent in that statement is that these sins are also now fine. And that's where it gets twisted, where the Christians that might be sharing this article, again, can agree with those statements, but right. are not really reading into all the context and what that really means exactly. to, to say that. So. No, I think, I think you're, I think you're right, right on with that. Because hidden, kind of like hidden in that language, mm-hmm. is at least to all appearances, what they're saying is not only that we've we've done we haven't treated people that have struggled with this in the past wrong. They're not only saying that, but they're saying to say that the Bible speaks against homosexual activity and against transitioning your gender and thinking of yourself and and calling yourself a male when you're female to say that those things are unacceptable biblically mm-hmm. to God. And th- those are things that need to be repented of for it's to all, all appearances. It seems like they're saying that is itself bigotry. That is itself right. being homophobic. That sure. is unloving. And that's actually what we're standing against as well. Mm-hmm. And that's the part that to be on a CBS loves mm. right. because they want that. Like this is the, this is pride month. The goal is, and, and we'll get into that as we get into Michael Brown's article a little bit later. Um, but I think what you said is exactly right there, Stephen. In, in the letter of it, if you read those terms in kind of uh, the dictionary sense, at least from our, our 1828 dictionary, <laughs> we'd agree with it. But yeah. the fact is they've smuggled um, extra layers into God does not discriminate against people based on gender. Well, what do you mean by that? Yeah. Uh, apparently they mean, you know, God would not, um, condemn people that are transgender. Okay. Right. Right. Um, he would not say that that's wrong. Um, and, and again, this, this mistake in, in thinking to say that, um, God is not against anyone. Therefore he does not condemn anyone. Right. Therefore he does not condemn any sin. Mm. that's the that's the move you see that connection and of course it becomes self-refuting because let's let's flip the sin and think of sin the sin of bigotry of being of being a full-on bigot or let's make it even easier like being a racist right racism is a sin to be a racist is to be you know god condemns that right um god is not against that person god loves the person who's a racist yet he still condemns racism Mm -hmm. and there's no there's no biblical there's no biblically there's no either or between those two right and then i remember even here locally but i've seen this mantra you know uh love the sinner hate the sin and i've seen in some lgbt affirming you know media and stuff where you cross everything out of that statement except the word love or it's love the sinner hate the sin but it's all crossed out and just says love and it's like That's not accurate either. <laughs> yeah. You know, like the original might be trite, but it's still, there's still some truth to that. Like God still always loves the person, does not affirm sin. Right. And that's, you need to keep reminding people yeah. of that. And, you know, and that slogan, I think I, w- we would say it's probably, it's probably not the best to use it just rhetorically these days because of all the, the baggage and stuff like that. And I know a lot of people that deal with 
LGBTQ ministry, they say, you know, let's, we have to help tease out this stuff first because we have been indoctrinated to think that mm. your, your sexual proclivities are your identity. Right. Sure. Right. Your temptations are your, your struggles in these areas are who you are in the same way that, you know, being black is who you are in or being white is who I, you know, or your race, your ethnicity, hate, like being Haitian really is part of your identity, mm-hmm. you know, right. being, you know, <clears throat> whatever my mix of <laughs> Italian, Native American, all this stuff, you know, that there's, but they've co-opted the, the sexual, same sex attraction, gender right. dysphoria, whatever it is, and made that your identity. So it, you often have to tease those out first before dealing with people right. on these issues. But um, the thing, you know, the reason we wanted to to point this out today, because this is an example of, I think, what not to do as the church um, and for Pride Month. We don't want to give in to this cultural sway. There's a lot of presuppositions there that are false. And one of them is your sexuality is who you are, not how you are. Mm-hmm. That's a false presupposition. Another one is it's if you think that um, certain sexual activities are wrong, that you are discriminating in a negative mm-hmm. sense, right. uh, that you are being hateful, all those kinds of, they accept those presuppositions and then they apologize for it. Mm. Right. And that is a, is a great mistake. And, and any Christians that put this up on Facebook is, is an example of something that's loving and, um, a, a good thing or just, just mistaken. Hmm. And I, and we want to give you guys two. we, we, part of what we do here is like, we don't reinvent the wheel and we, you know, we all do other things. So we're not, you know, necessarily doing the scholarly work in depth on everything we address. Cause it would be impossible. We all have areas we do spend more time studying and we feel more versed and just kind of spitting off, you know, right off the top of our heads. Right. But in a lot of things, because we cover so many different areas, we have to kind of depend on other people, their research, and we curate that. In essence, we're we're bringing in stuff. We say, oh, this is good. This is really sound. And so mm-hmm. that's what we're going to do today with these two articles, one from Standard Reason and one from Michael Brown, that give us a better approach than the one we just saw with the, the church from the CBS article. And we're going to start with this one. Uh, entitled Responding to Pride Month with Genuine Love from Stan to Reason. I think this was written by a guy it's, named Tim Barnett. Right. Yep. This is Tim Barnett writing. And he basically breaks down the article uh, in a few different sections, you know, uh, talking about really still speaking truth and addressing what the Bible, you know, calls sin and all that kind of stuff. But a couple quotes uh, from the article again. This is Tim Barnett. He says early on, it is possible to truly love someone but not accept and affirm their ideas or behavior. We do this all the time. We all have friends and family members that we love dearly, even though we disagree with and even oppose their behavior or ideas. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I was thinking too, even even our listeners, you know, it might be a good exercise to think about those times when when you have truly loved someone right. and because you love them, you didn't accept or affirm certain destructive false ideas or destructive behaviors right. that they were engaged in. And I was trying to think about examples where we've done that <laughs> in our lives. We were just talking about that, about that before we started recording it. And, you know, that's a good exercise. I, I think you had a maybe one Nerva that you thought of. 
where you had a friend that you helped, you know, because you love them, you reached out. They were, I think, having an extramarital affair with like a famous, you know, sports yeah, person. Yeah, sports <laughs> athlete. Yeah, and you know, this this person, um, her and I became really good friends, but over time I noticed that there was something about her countenance that wasn't right. She was kind of often sad, sullen, and pensive, but um, she opened up to me about her affair with a, a within an athlete and um I cared about her and I saw that it was just just destroying her and so I said you know you've got to come out of that that's not gonna gonna work at all but she said she was trying but it was difficult you know they would go through seasons where they wouldn't speak and then he reached out to her and so there was this kind of a cycle of 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 that but um eventually I invited her to my um small group and got her under prayer and some discipleship and she was able to break free over time. But, um, yeah, at that point I just really cared and I could see that it was destroying her her self-esteem, her countenance. And that's, that's how sin works, you know? And, and these articles, you look at them and it's like compassion without any scruples is, is the highest virtue it seems, but really sin really hurts the soul. And so you have to care enough to want to help and see you know, this is what it'll take to get healthy and to right. get out of that. Yeah. I think sometimes too, I know for me, I struggle. When is it appropriate to say something? And yeah. I think relationship is key. You know, if yeah, yeah, you know, sure. to go to go up to a stranger that sure. doesn't know your name <laughs> right. and say like, Hey, you're living Concepts in sin. You know, that's is... not, it's not wise. Sure. Uh, like I had a, an experience uh, where I had a coworker I was not close with, not really close friends with, but um, kind of saw them. Uh, after growing up in a Christian home, Christian family, church going, all that, moved somewhere else and kind of spiral out. Uh, saw them through divorce. And this is just me observing on social media from a distance and just really got involved in some dark things. And it's like, I I did not have the relationship, I don't think, right. to say something, but to kind of see like if hopefully someone close to them in their family or friend circle can speak truth and say like, you, these are not good things you are doing. Whether you think this is pleasurable or you think this is what it means to be free or whatever, like you're hurting yourself and your kids, and like that would have been love at that point. Yeah, uh, to to say that and just be honest, and even just close, even outside of relationship and and sure. sexual and identity, there have been times where I have close friends where I see them doing activity that is either causing them anxiety or stress or yeah, just man. being destructive, mm-hmm. and and when I have had the opportunities just to say like, hey man, like don't do this. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're not helping yourself. Like I see it affecting you and this is not a good activity to do. And so like you don't, it's your choice, but like you need to, to probably stop doing that. Like it's hurting for you. sure. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Yeah. And, I, and I've learned, you know, there's been situations, man, where I could see a friend getting into some stuff I knew was going to eventually hurt them. And out of selfishness, I didn't say anything when I should have. Right. And, and actually in that case, it was unloving what I did and they eventually ended up being worse off for it. And then I remember there was a case where I did see a friend who was kind of like, I, it looked like to me and this person was married and they were, it looked like they were kind of like opening the door to flirtation with a coworker. And I remember wrestling, like, should I tell this person? Cause I really didn't want to, I'm, I, I didn't want to be confrontational and that's an right. uncomfortable conversation. Right. And I remember having that, that just tough moment. I say, you know what? I've got to do this. Not for me. Yeah. I've got to do this for this person right. because if it's, if it's something 
that I can help wiggle them out of this just by making them aware like, hey, this looks a little weird. Then I need to do it for the sake of love. And what we're what we're talking about here is the nature of love. Right. That's what we're pointing that's out good. by these examples. That's really and that's what this author says is he, he just says it is possible to truly love someone, but not accept and affirm their ideas or behavior. Right. Oh, good. And, and the author, Tim Barnett, goes on in his next section. He says, love by abhorring what is evil. And, and he, that's out of Paul. That's Paul's and then, right this right. is Paul's uh, verse. He says, you know, when Paul was writing to the church in Rome, this is Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. The apostle Paul says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. And so this connection of let love be genuine, love one another, but still abhor what is evil or Ooh, hate evil, uh, in other words. And that, yeah, and that interesting. And I like how you said abhor. That was very, uh, that was very nice, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, he said, um, he's, yeah, he said right in the middle of describing what genuine love looks like, he inserts that crucial command. Right, and and he goes on to say the apostle Paul in a first Corinthians chapter five is addressing the church in Corinth because they're accepting and are almost proud of engaging in some sexual sins. And, uh, in first Corinthians 13, Paul reiterates the point again in the article is saying from the apostle Paul, that Paul says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. And I think the implication is that when uh, the truth is butting up against reality and you, your activity is not matching up with truth. Like love should not rejoice at that. That love does not celebrate the wrongdoing. And again, this is the apostle Paul talking uh, it's to this church in Corinth who's celebrating these, these sexual sins. Yeah. And I was going to have Nerva read first Corinthians five, the whole passage, but I think we're getting a little bit behind time here, but uh, that's one of those like grenade chapters you yeah. <laughs> throw out and right. it kind of explodes you're like what do i do with this it's a really interesting chapter i would just encourage our, our listeners to check that out when you get the, the chance man you see how strong the apostle paul's language is in dealing with this sexual immorality in the church he tells them to expel them from the congregation it, it even says hand them over to satan which is really right. kind of weird but but for the destruction of the flesh so that his soul might be saved on the day of the lord right and you know there's this emphasis that man he he was up in arms because this church had tolerated and even celebrated this sexual immorality right and that's what the the writer here says uh the article which i love he says genuine love should never celebrate wrongdoing Mm-hmm. It doesn't go to parades for wrongdoing. Mm. It doesn't wave flags and shout and cheer at wrongdoing. On the contrary, it recoils and mourns at wrongdoing. Ooh, deep. And he, towards the end of the article, uh, he says, in a world marred by sin, it will always be unpopular to abhor evil and hold fast to what is good. But this is what genuine love demands. Anything less is a counterfeit love because it communicates to the world that sin isn't a problem and that repentance isn't necessary. Mm. That's to, the thing to even think about that word sexual immorality in this day and age that people so driven by feelings yeah. and desire don't even consider that there is such a thing as sexual immorality. And, and oftentimes I'm watching a movie that is promoting a relationship that by the end of the movie, you're cheering for the person and like, wait a minute, this, this would be immoral for <laughs> right. them to get together. So right. I don't right. want this to happen. So we're swimming in a culture that doesn't even acknowledge that there is anything 
as sexual yes. immorality. And so when that's, you read these scriptures, it's like, wow, this is yeah. very, very deep. And, and it really confronts our yes. cultural bias. Right. And I love, I mean, that's what, that's what the scripture does. It pierces, you know, it's that sword, right. man. It, it cuts between, you know, joint marrow and even sure. soul and spirit. I even remember back in the day, you know, watching episodes of the TV show Friends. Yeah. And mm-hmm. to, to really step back and see like, now, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> the, the moments in that show where we were cheering for Ross yeah, and man. Rachel or cheering yeah. for yeah. Chandler, whatever. And it's like, but they, they're not engaging in this correctly. This right. Is, this is not a lovely relationship in God's eyes. Like, yeah. But we as the viewer are kind of like celebrating it. And yep. even then, and that was, you know, comparatively, it was not LGBT, but it was still sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was weird. Even then, I think it was kind of the seeds of this, just celebrating what is wrong for the sake of entertainment. But yeah. now it is yeah. celebrating what is wrong for the sake of culture. Yeah, yeah man. And um, Tim Barnett, he closes out the article closing with what, what did Jesus do as our mm-hmm. example? Okay. And, you know, he tells Jesus sat with the tax collectors and the sinners, uh, not to affirm what they did, but to tell them that they were sinners and that they right. needed to change their ways. And I thought this quote was good from Tim Barnett. He says, Jesus loves us just as we are but he doesn't want to leave us where we are. And that idea that Jesus comes and loves you where you are. And yeah. so, yes, like God is for all, but does not want to leave us there. Like right. he still addresses what we are doing wrong and wants us mm-hmm. to change. Yeah, man. And, and again, his message was repent, turn away right. for the kingdom of the heavens or the kingdom of God is at hand. It's available. It's here through me. And, um, you know, I like it, it, even in the passage he quotes from Matthew, it's interesting that he, you know, he's looking at these tax collectors people and he say, I didn't come for the, the healthy. I came for the sick. And he's point, <laughs> so he's yeah, pointing he's to these people, I came for these sick people. <laughs> right. And he's like, I didn't come for the righteous, but yeah. the sinners, he's pointing. So right, he had no right. problem yeah, saying like, I came for these people, not to further them in their sickness and not to right. further, but his whole ministry was bringing wholeness and healing right. and repentance mm-hmm. and and forgiveness and newness of life born from above. Right. And I think that idea to af- to celebrate the sickness, to celebrate right. the sin, was never even close to the message right. of Jesus. And um, I think that that is the mistake. So, in, well, I'll pause on that, but let me just say this one more thing about that. I think every human being understands that we shouldn't, um, you know, we don't celebrate what is wrong. Mm-hmm. We are, we are disagreeing on what is wrong. Right. That's good, and so in essence, the, like, and you sent this to me last night, Stephen, but Alyssa Milano, for instance, right. she, she is abhorring what she thinks is evil. In other words, she thinks these um, pro-life laws are evil. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> because yeah, they, sure. they, uh, in her mind, they go against women's reproductive rights and they dehumanize women, which is just, it's silly and it's absurd, but that's what she thinks. So she's willing to not only condemn them, but to call for activism against those states that pass these laws. Right. Um, so she's doing that. She's abhorring what she thinks is evil. The question is, what really is the good? What really is evil? Right. And right. so for us to, 
we understand intuitively we don't celebrate what's evil, but we got to we got to ask the question, where does good come from? Did God design sexuality? Because the move in our culture, the indoctrination ever since the sexual revolution is there is no design. Any feeling you have should be engaged and indulged. And all this stuff is actually connected. Abortion, Mm -hmm. um, the sexual revolution, all that stuff is, is part of a cluster. Right. And that's where the the scripture comes in, and it and it realign it gives us that adjustment, that old chiropractic adjustment, <laughs> right, right. and gets our gets gets our thinking in line because we have slowly drifted. Many of us fast, yeah. some of us even in the church, like you said, nerve. We end up rooting for the wrong thing because yeah. we have drifted from biblical literacy, and so we start to buy into the cultural lie that there is no sexual design, and your sexual desires are who you are. So when you buy into those presuppositions, then when you hold up a sign saying we repent of that that feels good because it feels like you're standing against evil right Mm. right the problem is at the presuppositional level and that's why worldview is so important you Mm. have to have a thoroughly thought out carefully thought through worldview and again that's why i point you to impact 360 that class on worldview because it's going to help you say what is the truth because if there is no god if, then there is no thing. There's sure. nothing wrong with any of this, but there's also nothing wrong with being a bigot. Nothing wrong with being a racist. There's nothing wrong. There is no mm-hmm. wrong. There's because there's no right. There's no good. Mm-hmm. Right. And so all of it falls apart. But if there is a God and he did design sexuality, then we have to ask, what is that? What does he say is wrong? And if we right. tolerate it and not only celebrate it, I think of Roman one, Romans 1, when he talks about the decline of culture and people get so depraved that they not only do wrong, but they applaud those who do wrong. Right. And I think they also have a course on truth in Pep 360. And, and I like the image as a compass. That's one of those things where if you are holding a compass and it is, you know, you can reasonably to believe that it is correct. It doesn't matter what you feel a direction is or what you think the sun is in the sky. You, know, yeah. you could think south or north is the opposite direction, but you're like, it doesn't matter what you feel. Yeah. And That's if it. our worldview is correct and the Bible is true, it is pointing at a certain direction. Yeah. And even if we feel like that shouldn't be north, it kind of doesn't matter. You know, right. you have to adhere to, right. to the truth, to the reality. That's so. right. Yeah. Don't don't go with your uh, feeling like it's north. You might end up in that old bear cave. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. But you know, I also think, you know, actually on the on the Fremont website when we talk about about the show, the first line talks about Dr. Ben Withing, Witherington. It says that we live in a biblically illiterate Jesus haunted culture. And I think it goes back to you know if if Christianity is your worldview, you might want to read these scriptures again to yeah, really man. suss out. You know, don't listen to all the voices yet. Like, read the scripture for yourself and then yeah. listen to commentary, but just see what it says. It is there for you. Yeah. And uh, I think it's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. So last last article we want to quickly kind of bullet point here was Dr. Brown's, and his is called Why I Do Not Celebrate Gay Pride. He has he 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 lists here uh, three reasons, and he says the first of his of his reasons are, I do not accept the categories of LGBT as fixed and definite categories worthy of special recognition. Put another way, why should there be a special month to celebrate people based on their sexual desires and romantic attractions, or based on their identity their gender identity perceptions? And this is an interesting line here. He says the very fact that we've gone from G as in gay. To LG, to LGB, to LGBT, to LGBTQ, 
to LGBTQI to LGBTQIP and beyond indicates that these are hardly fixed categories. Right. In other words, they keep adding. And it's mm-hmm. like, what are these? Are these just kind of made up? They don't even, they just slip into one of the next things. It's pretty much anything that's sexually outside <laughs> of heterosexual relationship between a, between a man and woman in marriage. Anything right. like that would be put in this category, including, I think lately that they're starting to add the like soft pedophilia to um, mm. like prepubescent attraction Yikes. and postpubescent attraction. Um, there was a guy I was just listening to this week where that's being added into the the plus part of the LGBTQ plus. Mm. Um, and um, he says, or to zero in on the letter B for, you know, bisexual, why should I celebrate someone who is attracted to both males and females? Why should I put them in a special category like Hispanic or Asian or black? If the person happens to be uh, a courageous firefighter, I'll celebrate them for that. If the person happens to be a cancer survivor with an amazing story, I'll celebrate them for that. They are fellow human beings and they deserve honor or commendation. I'll gladly give that to them, but I won't celebrate their bisexuality. Why should I? And that, you know, that's an interesting point is like, you know, when you really think about it, we're celebrating the fact that they're attracted to both males and females for what, like, you know, um, but but I think the reason is 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 that we do celebrate is related to, related to these next two points that he's going to say. Um, which is here's the second. If I'm convinced that homosexual practice is contrary to God's design, why should I celebrate it? If I personally know people whose same sex attractions were the result of childhood sexual abuse and rape, why should I celebrate those attractions? And I actually did know somebody or do know somebody, the guy saying with Donnie McClurkin, mm-hmm. he was raped um, by his uncle at the age of, I think, eight or nine during mm-hmm. um, his brother's funeral. And after that, he found himself having these same sex feelings. Right. And to think about like, yeah, man, let's celebrate that. Yikes, yeah. Like that idea is just odd. It, it, at right. least to mm-hmm. think like, you know, why is that something to be celebrated? And he said, if I'm convinced that ideally a child should have a mommy and daddy rather than two mommies or two daddies, why should I celebrate a family setting that willfully deprives that child of either their mother or their father? Do we celebrate single parent pride? No. We say to those single parents, it must be hard to raise your child on your own, but we're standing with you to help. There's quite a difference. And there is a difference between those two approaches. Right. And why should I celebrate trans- transgender identity? What is there to celebrate? Why should I celebrate putting a child on hormone blockers? Why should I celebrate a 17-year-old girl having her breasts removed? Why should I celebrate a lifelong regimen of hormones? Why should I celebrate something that causes so many people so much pain even after transitioning? And that was the, you sent a video to us last night, Stephen, with a person that was had done the transgender surgery but had come right. to regret it and it was really a moving uh testimony right and and his testimony again was raped multiple times as a child and then again in their 20s um and he just talks about all the confusion and that journey and uh, maybe we can link that but it's a it's a powerful story and uh, again like you like dr michael brown goes on to say like i i want to be for that person yes yeah. because they are hurting and in pain but not for the choices that they had made. Sure. Right. Yep. So exactly. And so 
he goes on third and finally he said i do not celebrate lgbt pride because there is an agenda attached to it come on in other words this is not just a matter of me appreciating lgbt people as people or recognizing their accomplishments for the sake of their accomplishments Instead, to celebrate LGBT pride is to recognize and embrace a larger cultural agenda. And as he explained in 2011, this is way back, he said, the legitimizing of homosexuality as a perfectly normal alternative to heterosexuality also requires that all opposition to homosexual behavior must be delegitimized. And that's what is happening. That's why they hold up, you know, right. mm-hmm. we're sorry for discriminating because now to have that viewpoint of sexuality has been delegitimized. He goes on, at the very least, the gay agenda requires these three platforms um, and let let recognized gay leaders renounce this if it is not so. Mm -hmm. Quote, whereas homosexuality was once considered a pathological disorder, from here on, those who do not affirm homosexuality will be deemed homophobic, perhaps themselves suffering from a pathological disorder. So again, it's flipping the categories of who really is sick and need, in need of health. Who's, you know, if anybody tells me something, I have like, I have a propensity to an addiction to alcohol or pornography, or I'm, I'm an angry person. Um, if you flip that and we celebrate, you know, anger month or, you know, it, it doesn't help me. Sure. Right doesn't help me so he goes on um whereas gay sexual behavior was once considered morally wrong from here on public condemnation or even public criticism of that behavior will be considered morally wrong Hmm. whereas identifying as transgender was once considered abnormal by society causing one to be marginalized from here on those who do not accept transgenderism will be considered abnormal and will be marginalized you know, it's interesting because I remember listening to a message by Vodi Bakum and he had mentioned how some of the leaders of the movement, LGBT movement, um, got together and said, this is how we're going to inundate culture with this. We're going to yeah. flood the, the communities and really reteach and make it normal, make it no longer abnormal to think biblically about this issue. And so I think... Unfortunately, they've done a a really good job at just kind of like, you know, um, putting it so much in your face. So you see it everywhere. And so just think about how this has transformed over the past 10 years alone. Um, I remember first watching uh, Modern Family and looking at that (laughs) and how wild and bizarre that is. And now that's like. (laughs) old news but you know my sister confessed to me like she was watching a a program and saw a a same-sex attraction relationship in front of her kids and her kids are like oh they didn't even flinch it was just Mm. something so normal but um just goes to show you at um the power of inundating culture and just really planning and so this was what they kind of wanted to do and they just just added they added a their first gay couple in My Little Pony I saw today. Wow. But you know, this is part there's a book called After the Ball uh-huh. that you that that he references. It's okay. that's we'll we're that. gonna actually do a whole episode on that in the future. But they laid out in detail their plan. Mm. And when I tell you they executed it to precision. <laughs> and yeah. now we are indoctrinated. And it's, it's so much so that probably for you that are listening even now, you feel uncomfortable as I'm reading this stuff because mm-hmm. I feel uncomfortable reading it. 
for sure like we're so it's so just in the water right. we swim in that it's hard to even say this stuff but it is true but i'm gonna i'm gonna continue i'll just sure. read a couple more lines here where he said again from the lgbt viewpoint lgbt pride is all about coming out of the closet it's about saying quote we are just as good and as gifted and as normal as anyone else and rather than being ashamed of our lgbt identity we are proud of it the days of being mistreated are over that's what lgbt pride is about and um you know here's the, here's the thing we we want to do a better job like we said before of loving people we we don't want to mistreat anyone and we want to understand that every individual is made in the image of God. Um, and we don't want to demean anyone. We don't want to attack anyone, but we also understand that we are, like I said, all sinners fallen. We all have things in our, our calling as rebels is to repent mm-hmm. and to, to become holy increasingly as we let God's spirit, create in us a pure heart a clean heart and and to learn how to deny like the call to if christianity is come and die right to learn to lay down everything that's not pleasing to god and that that includes all of us so the problem is we can't say stuff is pleasing to god that's not for any of us no matter what the culture says and here's the thing i want to i want to say too for our listeners no matter how nice we are right now and how kind we are, it's not going to be enough. You just need to to get that in your head. If you take a biblical stance, you could be the most loving, compassionate person in the world. You will be called a bigot. Yep. Right. You will be called homophobic, transphobic. People will hate you. Mm. People will be angry with you. And we have to just, at this point in our, the church and American Western civilization, we've just got to go ahead and make our peace with that, right. that we we're not compassionate because we're trying to win their favor and their affection. It's not going to happen. We're right. compassionate because God calls us to be compassionate and right. it's the nature of God. These couple earlier lines, this is Dr. Michael Brown talking again, but I like what he says. He says, if you ask me to stand with those who identify as transgender and offer them supporting compassion and hope, I would say, count me in. Yeah. If you ask me to stand against their harassment and mistreatment, again, yeah. I would say, count me in. But if you ask me to celebrate their transgender identity and all the challenges that come with it, I would have to politely decline. Exactly. Again, just that stance of, no, we don't want people harassed mm-hmm. and mistreated. No. And we do want to offer compassion and hope, but there has to be a line where we then say, but this is truth. Sure. And we exactly. can't celebrate. And, and we say that, sorry to interrupt you, no, no. we say that out of love. That's good. Right. We, and just the example before, like we say that because it is loving, it is true. And we stand in that tension of resisting the movement and reaching out in compassion to those that struggle. And especially understanding that many people that do identify as LGBTQ have, you know, these past that many of them were abused. Many of them were mistreated, you know, and oftentimes there's an attachment of that that leads someone and we can't, we should and ought to have compassion. And we wanted, we want to display that, but at the same time for the sake of for them and for the, the children in this Mm -hmm. culture, man, we, we will not bow down to that idol that the enemy is setting up, that this is good and right. Mm -hmm. And that it's God's design. Cause even, you know, like mayor Pete, but a judge now 
trying to say, you know, he, he rebuked Mike Pence publicly for being quote unquote anti-gay. And he said basically of Mike Pence that if you have a problem with, with me, you have a problem with God because God made me this way. He's a, you know, married to a man, gay, right. homosexual, um, hmm. quote unquote Christian. Right. Um, and so that idea is a false idea yeah. and it's a harmful idea. And we have to take those thoughts captive. We have to stand against those ideas while still loving people. But I do, I did want to just really encourage you today. Don't fear people calling you those names. Mm-hmm. Don't recoil at it. Like, and I, and again, I go to this analogy a lot, but when, when I played basketball in college, man, like we would go to an opposing, uh, teams you know arena or whatever right. it was they would be screaming insults the entire game like one time this this girl literally had a bullhorn i was throwing the ball in from at from the sideline she had a bullhorn screaming like point blank in my ear the wow. bullhorn was going off the wow. the worst they would find the worst things they could find about you as a person and point it out like mm. if you i remember we had a we had a guy who was about five foot six real short you know short guy but he could shoot the eyes out of it they started chanting oompa loompa wow wow that's hilarious (laughs) so but i want you i want you by analogy this is the culture we we are Mm. we are in enemy territory Mm. in this culture and they're gonna shout now if, if you're a mature player and as you grow you learn how to ignore those voices and you don't let it affect your playing at all so good. And that's how we've got to be these days because you're going to get maligned. You're going to get yeah. talked about on Facebook. It's okay. You just sure. ignore it. You don't respond in kind. And yeah. again, we're not saying, but by, by this, the, I'm trying to basically tie up how do we respond to Pride mm. Month? We don't, we don't beat up on individuals. We actually reach out to individuals, yeah. love on them. We don't even necessarily go on a Facebook crusade letting them have it. Mm. I think that's we good. can repost articles like Michael Brown's. But I I tend to not even get involved in the weeds of arguing online because it just doesn't. It's not fruitful. It's not. It's often not fruitful. Um, But I just I don't want people. I think it's time for us to stand and encourage and compassion to be able to stand in that tension and say, you know what? I'm just not I'm not going to respond to the bullhorn to the oompa loompa chance i'm right just who cares i'm I'm gonna keep i'm gonna keep doing this thing and i'm gonna keep my eyes on god i'm gonna keep my eyes on jesus keep my eyes on his ways and i'm gonna stand for truth and love here's a cool scripture um john 15 um you know i'm just reminded of uh jesus with the woman at the well when he met her he was just really honest he saw where she was he saw her sin, but he really loved her and yeah, gave her the right. answer. Here's, yeah, you have 500, five, not 500, five husbands, but um, here's what you really need. Drink from this well right. yeah. and you'll never thirst again. But just encourage, what, um, piggyback on what you just said. John 15 says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated mm. you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. So know that. Don't don't count it. Uh, don't be surprised at the fiery yeah. trials that come your way when you stand for Christ. It is not popular. You'll feel alone, but you're not alone. And so God has given us the mandate to really, really go out and be a light and impact culture. But this past week, real quick, I got to hear Nancy Piercy uh, 
speak and she's got a new book out called love thy body and she is just um giving um empowering people with tools on how to deal with this topic and culture and she says you know let's just remind people that the way god designed us was a gift yeah and that we don't have to hate that gift that to have a body and biological sex is a gift but she also reminds us of the different worldviews, the different arguments out there. And it's good to kind of know what are the transgenders saying? What are the um, lesbians saying? What are the, what are the different arguments? And remember that young people are under so much pressure. She mentioned that nine-year-olds are being approached by um, people like, Hey, will you, a girl to another girl, will you be my girlfriend? And so the girl goes home like, mom, I was asked to be uh, someone's girlfriend. I don't think I'm gay. Am I gay? And so there's a pressure right now in a reality. So, Um, just to be aware parents of the pressure young people are under if you're in public schools, but that God has given us tools to be compassionate, to be loving, to be aware, to have to gain knowledge and to, um, to stand, um, against the flow of this onslaught of anti-biblical principles in this day and age. So it's good. Mm -hmm. You stole my two verses. I was sorry. Gonna do that. I'm no, so no, it's good. It's the it's same mind. In the room. Yeah. No, no, I just wanted to reiterate. Yeah, Matthew 10 22. This is Jesus talking. And he says, You'll be hated by everyone because of my name, but the one who endures yeah. to the end will be delivered. So that idea, like, this is, should not take us by surprise, yeah. right? Like you were saying, like, yes, people are going to hate us. And, and I had thought about the woman at the well again. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting that Jesus, he started the conversation by saying, You need to drink of this living water. And when she asked, for the truth. She said, well, how can I get it? That's when Jesus says, well, go call your husband. Yeah. This is John four sixteen, and And he does not start accusingly. Yeah. He always, like he did with the Pharisees and everyone else, started with a question. He said, go call your husband. And it was when the woman that opened up, she says, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, yes, you spoke correctly because yeah. the man you live with is not your husband. And so I think that example of Jesus says, here's the truth. Yeah. When yeah. someone wanted to seek it, wanted it, then he steps in and say, okay, well, here's what you have to change. Yeah. <laughs> and and this sure. is now how you conform to the truth, not how the truth conforms to your life. Mm. I think that distinction of that's, that's the example of mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Not this loving, affirming of everything, but this loving and then pointing yeah. and saying, okay, you can have this living water, but that thing has to change and this part of your life needs to be different. And this is the truth. And yeah, so man. you either appeal to it or you deny it yeah it's it's not a it doesn't change yeah (laughs) yeah man no no doubt so yeah i hope this is this has been helpful we'll link those those articles i'd recommend looking at them and um and that book maybe nerva mentioned would be a would be a good one to read we're trying to we're hoping to get nancy on the show here pretty soon so we'll, we'll we'll see if we can but yeah man let's keep keep going strong keep standing in love and we'll uh i'll let you guys next week 